Meanwhile, at the DC Nation, we are Night's <laughs> Entertainment. Here are the reasons for the wrong place. You're going to melt just like a green sandwich. And show you just how powerful I really am. Always hold on to all this. I know this will escape my sight, but those who worship me might be where my power green lantern lies. But let the universe howl in despair, for I have returned. We have no more use for this one. Kill him. Hi everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the DC Nation podcast. Providing connection pack, good intelligence, weekly podcast, reviewing DC comics, movies, and TV shows. Clank Gotham, The Flash, Carol, Supergirl, get DC's Legends of Zero. Kyle Dan Schmidt, your host. Get with me is a guy who just wants his old black canary back. My co-host. Hey everybody, it's Nico and welcome to Across the Airways, DC Nation. On this week's episode, we continue our spring 2016 TV season as we continue our coverage of the DC Nation with an episode of Flash, Arrow, and DC Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, so with this episode, we're going to dive into some exciting DC news headlines for the week, and then we're going to discuss some of our favorite CW superhero shows this week. Will Suicide Squad reveal the origins of the Joker? With DC Comics recently announcing that the Joker would be getting a definitive origin story in Justice League number 50, a move that I for one feel is a huge mistake, but there you have it, I don't make the decisions. Many fans are wondering if Jared Leto's take on the character will also get a point of origin in this summer's Suicide Squad. Coming Soon took the question to the actor himself, quote, I don't think I'm allowed to talk about that so much, says a smiling Leto, but we walk in a completely new direction. I think we knew that we had to do that, it was important to do that, when the Joker has been done and done so well, it gives you a bit of an indication of where you shouldn't go. There's a bit of a map there. That's the good part about it. It's quite an honor to play a character, the Joker, which has been written about in pop culture for 75 years. I'm just the latest in a long list of people who have redefined and reinvented this character. The actors, the voice actors, the television series, the writers, the artists, and the fans. People have taken the Joker and reinvented and redefined it for 75 years. It is really special to be asked to do that. Margot Robbie also had a few words to tell the site about the film's take on Harley Quinn. Quote, I did a lot of research on mental illness and codependency, she says. I was trying to access a way into understanding why she's in love with the Joker. I kind of decided that she's codependent on him. Now that I've done the research, I realize that there's more of an addiction than an illness. You see many sides of her. Sometimes she's really funny. Sometimes she's really mean. She just enjoys everything she does, whether she's doing something good or bad. She'll have an equal amount of enjoyment out of it. She's not always the most likable character. I don't really want to see an origin for the Joker in either the Suicide Squad or in Justice League number 50 but if they do it well and if we have to see it then I'm hoping that I'm going to really enjoy it and I think I will because I really like Jared Leto. J.K. Simmons reveals size of his role in Justice League. When J.K. Simmons talked about playing Gordon in Justice League last week, he revealed that he wouldn't start shooting for another couple of months. That leads fans to assume he has a small role, and now that's confirmed. In a new interview with DP30, Simmons revealed that he starts shooting in June and that his role is very small. Quote, I don't get started on it until June, and my part in the first one is very small. I'm excited to be playing that iconic character in that iconic series, he explained. It sounds like Simmons didn't get to read the script before signing on. With these big superhero movies, everyone is so tight-lipped about everything that there's a certain amount of going on faith. They asked me to come in and meet with Zack Snyder 
We had a great meeting, and I'm a big fan of what he's done. We hit it off, and he asked me to play Commissioner Gordon. Simmons is hoping that his role in Justice League will allow him to play the character two, three, four, or even more times in the DC Extended Universe in the future. Green Lantern Corps rumored to have three Earth Lanterns. The 2011 Green Lantern movie did very little to set the box office alight, nor did it give many fans much to cheer about. And look, there's issues with that movie, but as with any property that doesn't do well the first time, there's always the opportunity to try again. When the slate of Snyderverse DC comic movies were announced, the one furthest to the end in 2020, no less, was a new Green Lantern, which at the time was being touted as Green Lantern Corps, which would allude to the fact that there would be multiple lanterns on display. The folks over at Latino Review are claiming a source has told them that not only will there be multiple lanterns from Sector 2814, they'll be three of the most popular ones, Hal Jordan, John Stewart, and Kyle Rayner. Jordan seems like a no-brainer, as did Stewart, but Rayner was a bit of a wild card. Latino Review also claimed their source says that Hal Jordan in the movie will be older, about Matt Damon's age, but that John and Kyle will be much younger. The question is whether one or all of these Green Lanterns will appear in the two-part Justice League movie which are slated for 2017 and 2019, with the Flash, Aquaman, and Shazam slated to come out in between the two parts. Will there be room for a Green Lantern cameo in any of these movies, or are they truly going to wait until 2020 to introduce the entirety of the Green Lantern cores and mythos? We just don't know yet, and I think that'd be a huge mistake to wait that long. And that's the news with Nico, DC headlines for this week. All right, so with all that exciting comic book and TV news cut out of the way, we're going to dive right into a section made possible by our good friend for the podcast, Joshua Mercury. Call about the Flash episode, the title Back to Normal. My name is Barry Allen. I am the fastest man alive. A metahuman abducts Harry, believing that he's the Harrison Wells who gave him his powers, which are slowly killing him. Meanwhile, Barry tries to cope with the loss of his super speed, and Caitlin meets her Earth 2 counterpart. Concerning our first, Nico, got some questions here. Do you think Barry, being powerless in this episode, worked? How long do you think he'll have to go without his powers? Could more than one episode without powers for Barry be detrimental to the show? Dan, I think in this episode it worked, but I'm not sure for how many more episodes I can really see the Flash not having his powers. One thing I did love about Barry being Barry in the suit rather than the Flash is it, it once again showed that he was a hero with or without his powers and that was worth showing but now that they have it is time to get his powers back and if the Arrow episode is any indication that's probably coming soon probably next week. Right, I would assume that's why he couldn't be there for the funeral, because he didn't have his speed and they were trying to fix that problem, because then once he got it fixed, they found out what was going on, because the fact that it wasn't even addressed got the Flash, I think, that means that that's coming in a future episode, don't you think? Yeah, exactly. Okay, good, yeah, with the powers thing, this is kind of the same situation we got into with Supergirl, did an episode of that show, where it was great for that one episode, but we said, okay, they can't do this a lot, girl, it's gonna get old, you know, they had to get her, her powers back, and she got it back by the end of the episode. So I'm assuming we'll see it, where the collider explosion is gonna take place, because soon as next week do you think yeah yeah it, it's got to be probably next week because like i said it can only go an episode or two without powers before it really loses its feel of the flash and being the show that everybody wants to see nobody wants to see barry without his powers for too long that right. i said last week that in my opinion that almost gets lame you know yeah i thought they did well with it here though good one time episode's a good deal yeah exactly good good they only have like three episodes left so they gotta give them as far as back pretty quick Exactly. Does 21. I think it's 21, I think, for full season order. I can't remember. Uh, I think this year it's... 
going to be a little bit longer? What? How far did it go? I think 23 this year. Okay, it's too crazy. So they do have a little more time than I originally thought. Yeah, it's going all the way to the t- May 24th. So all of next month, we're going to have Flash and Arrow. DC Legends ends up at 16 on the 19th. So, yeah, we're going to have quite a bit more Arrow and Flash. I think it's uh, four more episodes. Okay. Well, moving on, what did you think about Caleb meeting her doppelganger? Do you think this is something, could be some foreshadowing, where Zoom's time-traveling abilities puts Caleb in a situation where she's like prisoner for years, kind of brings out her dark side by watching him terrorize multiple universes? You know, I really liked it in this episode, especially while they were comparing their lives to see exactly where things deviated and learning that... Killer Frost had a brother that had died and Caitlin had not had that brother and Killer Frost failed out of medical school while of course Caitlin did not. These significant yet minimal in the great grand scheme of things differences were potentially instrumental in the development of Killer Frost. So I don't actually foresee Caitlin being Zoom's prisoner for much longer as I'm predicting that Barry will get his powers back next week and potentially others as well that we've been kind of throwing out there as theories. I think that that will mean that they will come for Caitlin soon and rescue her and ultimately defeat Zoom. This could, as we predicted last week, also involve recruiting and rescuing and freeing the real Jay Garrick from captivity with Caitlyn to help fight Zoom. Well, it would be kind of cool if Caitlyn got out of it by herself with the, the, the uh, real Jay Garrick. Yeah, th- that's kind of where I thought they were going this week with yeah, too. Her, her teaming up with Killer Frost who ultimately turned on her, but I think it would have been fun to see the two Caitlyns work together, because I thought they had, I thought Cisco had gotten through to Caitlyn, or Killer yeah. Frost's Caitlyn. And I thought that that was going to not turn her away from being a villain, but make her much more like the rogues villain she is in the comics, where she has some morality along with her being a villain. I was okay with this because that's the way Killer Frost is in the comic books, where her heart is so cold that she she doesn't care, you know? Because that's kind of where I think they went. They went with the integrity of the comic book character rather than doing the rogues thing. But I would have been fine either way. Yeah. Yeah, Did you think Wally wanted to thank the Flash for saving him? Because every Thing we wanted it to be. We kind of had predicted this last week. Because at the beginning of Wally being brought in for his engineering skills, Tal Perry Wells recreate the Collider explosion. Yeah. Because Ronnie was an engineer. Right, exactly. I thought for a moment that Barry might have revealed himself based on what Wally said to him and saying that he'd take this second chance to help people and make something of himself. I, I thought maybe that would be what did it for Barry to reveal himself. And maybe it still will be as he'll decide he needs more help if they're going to be successful in recreating the events of the initial creation of the flash i could see them bringing in wally possibly as early as next week yeah i i I really thought maybe he was just gonna drop the the hood and and reveal himself but of course that didn't happen but i think maybe it started that what what i've seen happening is jesse is brought in to help with the collider explosion because she had proved herself that she's going to be needed on this project just based on the things she did in this episode again again she seems like she's got caitlin's mindset when it comes to things so i feel like with caitlin gone she's going to be the biological role in recreating the collider explosion. Because I'm wondering if there's, you know, they get frustrated, they get stuck. Can they go out and they go hanging out? Can they bring Wally with them? Can they get to talking? And she's like, you're an engineer? Oh man, we need to bring him into the project. Yeah, and we already saw that there was some of that attraction between Jesse and Wally. Right. And maybe that leads to it a little bit too. Or Jesse doesn't know that he's not in on it and... It's full of beads. N- not completely, but 
mentions that Barry works a lot at the Star Labs and it gets him thinking and then it becomes to the point where they have to tell him. He's, he's going to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, he's just said, he, I think he may already kind of know, but he's like, I'm going to use it to this. I think so. at this point, he still, he sees Barry as the the guy that Barry projects kind of. Correctly. Well, kind of really smart, but gangly and not able to, you know, he's so yeah. different from the Flash that you just. He's underestimating him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's going to be fun to see where that goes again. The Jesse Wally relationship is very fun in the comic books. So I hope we get to see some of that fun stuff. Because I'm a big Wally West fan, so I commit to all of that stuff. So it would be kind of fun. Now, because did the villain of the week feel like a Smallville villain to you? Do you think he worked as a good tool to inspire Harry to recreate the Kleiner explosion? I thought the villain was pretty weak in development sense. Yeah. But I guess they had to come up with someone who could be defeated by Barry and the team without using any powers. Also, I was really disappointed that we did not see Vibe be more of the hero this week like we had predicted we, we thought he was going yeah. to. It would have been a great opportunity for Cisco to learn about his other abilities and to see what he could really do. I think we should have seen Barry and Cisco training and testing out Cisco's new abilities to see if they could find some powers to combat the inevitable metahuman threats we know are going to emerge while Barry doesn't have his powers. Cord gets something where Barry got cornered in this episode. You know, and, and, and Cisco's powers come out to save his friend. Yeah, just out of instinct, exactly. Yes, something like that. I agree with you. That is the point. I feel like they're really focused on wanting to do the speedsters and they're getting their abilities instead of the whole vibe thing. They're waiting to pull the trigger on that. Because I'm wondering if that's just because they want to have more story with that. Or they need more story. Yeah. Because I feel like with Arrow, to a certain extent, they rush too much into the team concept. Because I think they want to take it a little bit slower with Flash because think it creates some problems for Arrow in that regard. Right. Now, based on our thoughts, give the ideas belonging to Gar ATAT member Joshua. Could all be put together our review questions for the week? Is it possible Wally, Jesse, God, this is Josh's idea, give Kayla even, Gar able to, if they're able to save her beforehand, will get powers from the second collider explosion. Joshua's thinking that Kayla could become a good killer frost. Could they also do a DC Legends tie-in where Captain Cold and Heatwave happen to be in Central City so they could become meta humans like in the comic books? That's not how I actually see it happening. Sure, Wally, Jesse, and Barry get their powers from this Clutter explosion makes sense, but having Cold and Heatwave back in town at the exact moment it happens seems entirely too coincidental, and it wouldn't make right. sense for me anyway that Caitlin is saved before the powers are restored. Although Zoom is taking her to Earth 1 now, so it is possible, but I like the idea that our Caitlin is not affected by the Collider and the power manifested in Killer Frost because of her hardened heart and cold personality after the bad things that had happened in her life, and the reason Caitlin has not turned was because despite the trauma and tragedy of her life, she remained a warm and loving person. To now give her those powers would, I think, in a way, ruin her character. Even if if she's a good Killer Frost, I I still don't think it right. it works with this Caitlyn. Right. Again, I had it in mind. Could again, Legends of Tomorrow kind of screwed it up, but I really wanted to see the show eventually evolve things into the great storyline that they did in uh, Francis Manipole did. Get his Flash run, where the metahumans, where the rogues became metahumans. God, there was some fallout with that. God, there's a really great great Captain Cold story in there that I'd love to see Wentworth Miller play out where them becoming red humans because of what it's quite cracked up to be good Cold's mind because he's felt and has to face a great amount of guilt because of what happens with that decision so that would be an interesting storyline to play but I doubt we're ever going to see it now because of those characters coming to Legends of Tomorrow because it would be stupid to I guess bring actors that are going to be paid because main characters called one show back on as reoccurring villains on another show okay so I mean do we have to I mean get our brains do we have to move past the 
fact that the rogues are not going to be a part of the show? Yeah, I think so. I think that that's not where this flash telling is going to go. And, and this universe is not going to have those, those same rogues. We may get individuals like captain cold and, and to an extent heat wave that maybe are following that now that they're, you know, they're, they're sort of reformed reformed. Yeah, exactly. But I don't think we're going to get it in a large scale on the flash show. I would just like to see beer master, please. Cause we haven't got him yet. I really want to see beer master. Get, uh, I think we got to get that episode with the vibe of Goldie Glider that we were kind of hoping for. Yeah, yeah, especially where he, kinda... where he gets his powers and can go head to head with her and be be an equal. Yeah, I think that could be a lot of fun. So those are some things on my wish list for the show. Again, I mean, if they want to do an evil group of rogues, I mean, they can always do Weather Wizard and Mirror Master. And then Goldie Glider kind of just joined them because she gets lost without her brother around or something like that. I do think that's a storyline that would be interesting to address is Goldie Glider, what, where is she? What's happening to her now that her brother and kind of friend disappeared. Right. That's an interesting thing to think about. Now, do you think the collider explosion will take place before the defeat of Zoom so it can be fought by multiple speakers? Or will Kowali and Jesse getting their powers be the season ending before them? I definitely think they're going to get their powers before they defeat Zoom and then all of them are going to take on Zoom together. That's my thoughts on it. I just think that this is the bigger, better way to finish off Zoom, having multiple speedsters defeat him and then something else ends up being the cliffhanger, like Wally becoming the new Flash on Earth 2 or something else entirely but I think it's going to be the defeat of Zoom is going to be involved with a multitude of speedsters from possibly even across the multiverse. Okay, that could be the cliffhanger is the repercussions. Go defeating Zoom where he has kind of one last fail safe to make this oh crap. How are they going to get out of this? Or, or maybe it's a new villain. Right. We don't know but again they did a three-way team up between Firestorm, Garrow, and Flash to take down Reverse Flash the Harrison Wells Reverse Flash so I feel like they got to top that so it's speedsters team up could be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if that's the real Jay Garrick. That's in the mask, too. You could throw him into it. Right, and we had predicted that we thought maybe he would die in the process, and that's why Wally took over on Earth 2, or potentially could take over right. on Earth 2. Well, they are building Keystone City, which is the city that the Quali West Flash resides in. Right, and so we could have Flash in one and Kid Flash in the other, you know, and they both are right. acting as the Flash. I, I think they're just going to call him Flash. I don't know if they're going to call him Kid Flash. Is he going to wear the yellow suit or is he going to wear a red suit that's a good question because they did a variation called the red suit when Wally and Barry were flash at the same time after uh, Barry came back in Final Crisis. So it's possible. Right. I don't know. And the yellow but, suit brings up too much thoughts of the reverse flash, but they have the yellow suit. So it might be exactly. a quick uh, fix so that there's two of them. And I don't know. It'll just be interesting to see. Because, well, do they explain that the, the costume is needed for absorption and stuff? I forget if they explain that on the show. Not really. Okay. It, it was. It's mostly been about concealing his identity but also some protection from just traveling that fast and from you know any of the people he goes up against okay because i was thinking well that's why they would need a suit you know it's like quality says oh my god i gotta go fight because this guy's like no 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 wait you just can't go out there get just your clothes yeah you know you gotta you know you gotta suit up or something right well they did kind of when the velocity nine when the other scientist was using it and you know she essentially disintegrated herself right. they kind of explained that you needed some sort 
sort of protection against going that fast. And in that sense, Barry was protected and they theorized that Zoom was protected by his suit. So I guess they've kind of hinted at that, but they've never come out and said it directly. Okay. That's an interesting thought. And I think you're right. If if Wally just wants to go out and mix it up and Cisco's the one that says, no, 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 you can't. You need something to protect you from going that fast. You could just run yourself into oblivion if you don't. You got to wear this suit and this is the only one we have. That's why it's yellow. Exactly. And he's like, I'll get you one. I'll get you your own. I just got to make it. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, next we're going to dive. Get to an arrow episode. Yeah, it's actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I thought this was going to be like the kiss of death for the series episode. But it came out a little bit better than I thought it would. Because I'm still not pleased that they killed off Coral. I'm still going to be upset about that. Because that will be my complaint about the show. Even after it's all said and done with. Unless they use time travel or something to bring her back because this is comic book world. So it is possible. But let's talk about Arrow this week. Get a section made possible by our good friend Mark Schreiner talking about the episode Cadonald Canary Cry. While Quentin tries to find a way to bring Laurel back, the team deals with her death and a new Black Canary who is out for revenge at all costs. Now, this is a question that our friend Mark Schreiner had for us, but it's kind of interesting to see what you thought of it, Nico. Out of all the deaths and aftermaths on the show, why was Tommy so worthy of being the flashback this week? Also, my question adding on to that, why should they do this more often where the flashbacks aren't necessarily chronological like they normally are? Would this be something the show maybe could use or work with after running out of flashback story? God, they got if this show does go for season six. I know you and I are doubting that, but because that's something they could do. You know, in my opinion, Dan, Tommy's death wasn't so much the focus of this week's episode or the flashbacks so much as it was the setting of the time frame for the flashbacks to the true love story of this series, Oliver and Laurel. Okay. This week's flashbacks showed their story, their relationship, and their love for each other on full display, and much of that revolved around the time of Tommy's death, Oliver's return to the city, and then his return to Lian Yu, and the heartbreak that caused Laurel. That was what I got out of those flashbacks this week which were way better than anything we've gotten so far this season with the return to Lian Yu's story in the flashbacks those never right. really carried the season as well as the previous seasons had and we discussed that in last week's news with Nico on why exactly that was and what they're planning on doing next season to improve that can I wonder if writing this episode because we kind of gave him that idea or just was a way for them to experiment with it and see if it actually worked. That's what I thought so, too. It, it really helped. It really worked. I thought it made us have a very nice send-off for Katie Cassidy, give the Laurel Lance character. It, it made it less painful. You know, I think it used us into Dead World. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm more sad about it than I'm angry now because of those flashbacks. Still think it's a mistake, but, you know, I think there might be some good things to come for Oliver and Diggle and some of the other characters. Kind of this, and we'll get into that. Because I'm going to first ask, you know, Ollie was the voice of reason to dig up Felicity and Quentin this week. Is it because the death had that grave effect on Oliver, or is it because he's truly maturing? Well, there's no doubt that this death did have a massive effect on Oliver, but I think he was the voice of reason this week because he knew what he had lost when losing Laurel. He'd lost that person who kept him on mission, who was willing and able to confront him when he was wrong or making a mistake, and in that sense, he took on her role for the team this week, as I saw it as a way of honoring her and her contribution to the team. And I think, for 
once he didn't look at her death as something he did, but he knew that the others would blame themselves, blame themselves, especially John. And so in that sense, I think he realized I can't allow them. It'll destroy. It'll rip this team apart if I allow them to think it was their fault. Even if there is some blame to go around, I, I can't let them think that Laurel was there because she wanted to be there. Laurel was there helping and was part of this team. And the only person we can blame is Damien Dark. He is the one that chose to kill her. And so I think he realized that. And I think his grief and I think his mission this time actually overshadowed his grief and gave him a focus that he doesn't always have. And I think right. that's going to allow him to actually find a way to defeat Dark now. Well, really, Gulliver, he, it's in his blood. We had a vigilante too. Yeah. Because it was a part of world. They they have to do this. They're, they're not fully alive if they're not out there fighting evil and risking their lives to do this. So Laurel went out feeling fully alive. Good. Oliver is the same way. That's why I've said time and time again, they're the ones supposed to be together. They're the true love story because they have that adrenaline and that addiction to it. But I don't know if Felicity's there all the way. Right. Good. Even this episode sometimes. Good. Again, I guess I should put that debate away because she's dead and we're just going to have to accept that. But still, I just, uh, terrible. But, God, the flip side of things, we did get some great performances. Got a Paul Blackthorne, good David Ramsey this week. I thought the roles they played, the part they played, such a, was just fantastically dumped. Got the big question, I guess, because they go, do you agree with that? Got the stuff with Diggle, get you excited or get interested to see more of the story, dealing with his brother's betrayal, and how he's going to resolve all that? I thought Paul Blackthorne's performance this week did for sure categorize itself as one of the best we've seen, but I was actually quite annoyed with the scene where Diggle confronted the mayor and then had his quote-unquote breakdown on the trunk of her limo. That was m my least favorite scene of the episode that did not involve Felicity, of course, but maybe it was even the worst ep uh, scene of the entire episode for me. I, I, I don't think it was well done, and it seemed forced to me. David Ramsey has been so good this entire series from the very beginning that this emotional breakdown failure of a scene really caught me off guard and was, you know, I, I just couldn't believe something was this poorly done this late in the game with, with him. I, I, th I thought he was too good of a actor and too good of a, a character to have a moment like this where it just didn't seem in character and it didn't even seem like he was so grief filled that that was changing the character slightly. I just felt like it was off. It just was not John Diggle. Maybe it was just me, but I did not like the Diggle pity party. I took it as his brother threw him off his game. That he was off the rails and Oliver was trying to say to him, this isn't you, what the hell are you doing? I understand what the point of the the, the scene was. It just, it didn't it work for me. Work. It just didn't work. I mean, that... Do you think this story still has potential now? Do you think that the Diggle compared to his brother's story could be really good stuff? I do. I just hope it's not like what we got this week. I, I hope it's more like Diggle going after his brother and not this... Right. Whatever. The director's take on it. Right. Maybe another director, one of their better directors, will get, you know, their hands on it and do something better. I think it'll work out because, I mean, the Diggle character is so good. I think ultimately we'll be pleased with it, given that this was an off scene. Yeah, Mark wanted me to ask also, because Dark's wife, is she really willing to die to advance his cause? I mean, is she almost drinking the, the ghost Kool-Aid where she's even willing to be a suicide agent? Because she's sure seemed willing to just lay herself on the line and not really care what happens to her while being got the press conference because she believes in Dark skull so much. I think she's charmed or has an enchanted protection, much like what Oliver had on the island given to him by Constantine. I think she knows that Dark will keep her safe, or if not safe, will be able to heal her of, of any damage or injury she incurs. But I think it more likely that it is a protection charm that gives her the feeling and ability to be so calm and cavalier with her safety. Can I just want to punch her in the face? <laughs> yeah. Like, she's just standing around like, go get them. She's pointing her fingers at them and running around like the Wicked Witch. And I'm just like, can somebody just shoot you with an arrow, please? Right. 
exactly. Yeah, I just because she should be doing that. I mean, that's what you you want to get to really just fuel that anger about what happened to Laurel and want to see Darko down. Now, with speaking of Canaries, the possibility that the legacy of Black Canary can live on, will we see Evelyn back at some point to assume the Canary role? Again, Mark also wanted to know: Did we see enough to modify the anti-Felicity as the Canary brigade for another week? I don't think we'll see Felicity as the Canary. I merely said that if the person masquerading around the city as the Canary turned out to be Felicity, that I was going to be done with this series because that was ridiculous and that did not fit the series or any right. of the characters. Since, At least they're not that dumb. Yeah, since that was not the case, thankfully, and rather it was the girl Evelyn in the, uh, who happened to be in the hallway that passed as Captain Lance was walking in, who stole Laurel's sonic device. That worked for me. Will we see more Evelyn as the Canary? Maybe. But I actually think she was inspired by Laurel and then also Oliver's plea with her to be true to what Laurel was as the hero, that it will actually inspire to come back as a different hero, one inspired by the heroism of the Black Canary, especially since Oliver outed Laurel as the true Black Canary. I think that'll push Evelyn to maybe develop her own persona. She could be Arrowette or something. I don't like that, but... <laughs> there is that character. I know, that something character else. Yeah, they, they might change the name. Just, just keep Speedy as Speedy, please. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Don't, don't do that. Don't go there. Maybe there could be another Black Canary. I don't know. I, part of me thought, would this story have been more interesting if it was Sid that was running around and doing this? Grids completely disappeared right. from the show. Then she was ticked off or whatever because they had a jump up on her. Because that's why she was doing it. But this is a good choice. And I don't know. Did you recognize the actress was the uh, the young hunter girl that Dean was a mentor to? Right. And I think, what was it, season eight? Yeah, it could have been seven, but I think it might have been eight. I think it was, it might have been seven and eight. Yeah. Something like that. It was like one season or another, but that's, you know, we like that character from that standpoint as well. So, Maybe they're going to keep her around. I don't know. I had thought, because my concern right now is Captain Lance is going to be left with nothing to do. He has no more connections right. to the team or anything, or even with Sarah gone. And so, like, I was wondering if maybe he could, like, adopt Evelyn as a way to avoid his character from becoming irrelevant and having to get killed off. I mean, it's too Gwen Stacy, Captain Stacy, if he dies as well. Right. So, I mean, this is something they could do to resolve that issue. So, he's not feeling still alone and he has a connection to the team still. I, I don't actually see that happening, not fully. Maybe he'll become a mentor or somehow look out for her occasionally, but full-on adopt her or, or bring her into the family, I don't see that happening. Okay. I, I could see him being a mentor to her or keeping her safe in the sense that he'll keep her from getting arrested and things like that, but I, I don't see him adopting her or even making her his pseudo-daughter because okay. I think that I think that actually tramples on Laurel and Sarah and like that yeah, you could just... just replace Laurel with someone else. That, that, that well, doesn't I, happen. That really replacing it's more just feeling, feeling the void, you know, to be to be alone. I think he's going to miss that need to be a father to someone. That's why I could see possibly a mentorship, but yeah, yeah I don't think he's going to take her on as, like, as a father. I just hope he doesn't become irrelevant because you've got a great actor in Black, Kid Paul Blackthorne, and I would like to see him stick around, you know? Oh, I agree. So I, I hope that's good, and I was very thankful that he wasn't angry at the Arrow. We had done that story before, because I'm glad that's all was over and done with. Yeah. And he accepted it. But the, the mother scared me a bit. The expression on her face that Alex Kinson played off created the light that she was livid, that she was a black canary. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So that could come back to haunt them. And you know, that that's a great actress as well. And Alex Kingston, we know that too. So that could be very possible as well. I would love to see her come and be a part of this series in a more permanent capacity. Yeah, it could maybe be a threat to the team for just out of simply revenge. Well, I don't know if she would 
it would be out be... of revenge. If anything, it would be, like be like grief. Yeah, I wonder if she'd be like an antagonist to them. I forget what she what she does for a living. Yeah, I don't remember either. Because I was thinking if she was like because she's like a lawyer or something. But like I could see her like going after vigilantes or wanting to do like a vigilante registration or something. Kind of going on civil war territory there, but you know, it is possible. I really hope they don't go that route. I hate those stories. Yeah. I, I, I think it might be a, like a criticizer of Oliver Queen. Get all into my last point. I think that could be a possibility. You know, I think Oliver may be dealing with gay public or persona threats in addition to supervillains. But first, I want to ask, was it at least some sort of step forward to see Felicity own up to how selfish she's been in recent episodes? Could this be the end of the angry Felicity monster? Or am I just being hopeful again because I want to root for everyone else on the show? It was better for sure, but still pretty annoying for me, Dan. I think you are just being hopeful that things will get better. And you know what? I'm hopeful as well, but I'm not putting any money on it. I'm hoping that they're fixing her. I am hoping that things are going to get better, but I'm not going to bet on it. They get so close and then they do something to just obliterate our hopes. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to pretend like we're doing exactly what you guys want, but we're really telling our story and we're going to tell you that it's our story. <laughs> they're, they're telling the CW's story. It's not even their story. It's the shippers. Yeah. It, just, it annoys me. Now, despite the nobility, did Oliver screw himself to the team, sort of, by revealing Laurel was the canary? That was a question Mark had. Can I add it on to this? Is it possible this season could end with Oliver revealing himself because the Green Arrow? Because he also becomes mayor of the city? That question kind of fits into what I was saying before, where I feel like Oliver may be facing gay public threats. Because I'm thinking that when his identity comes out, he's going to deal with a lot of criticizers and the media and the law regarding a lot of that stuff. And I'm just curious if Laurel's mother is going to be kind of leading up the charge against him definitely a possibility but i don't think he actually screwed himself or the team although it might bring some extra attention on them again i don't think it really did much more than expose that the new black canary was an imposter and secured the legacy of laurel's black canary as a hero if and when he comes out as the green arrow himself uh, and that's probably going to be involved in that mayoral story then that's a possibility and we could see some adversaries and things like that i just don't know how they're going to plan on dealing with that cool i feel like oliver is going to be mayor of the city yeah i agree after they they knock off uh the wife i just think that's going to happen yeah i think they'll expose her connection to dark and she'll be forced out of the office in disgrace or maybe she's even killed in in the process of bringing down dark and and stopping the forget what they call their plan for the city because i feel like oliver is going to come out and say he's the green arrow to kind of deal with the media going after the vigilantes like, I feel like he's going to be forced to do that. Much like the Oliver on Smallville. Right. Where he was backed into a corner and basically said, okay, if I'm going to protect everyone, i got to say something. I've got, got to reveal who I am. Got to get the, the rest of the team might not do that, but I think Oliver will. So that's going to be interesting to see where it goes and how they resolve all that. So I'm, I'm hopeful that, that we get that bear story because it gets really good stuff. And I think it would be a good thing to keep the focus on it just all being Oliver and Felicity because that really hurt the show. Agreed. So Mark also had some technical questions about the episode. He was a jerk. They actually had explained how Evelyn figured out how to get around the personal ID got the Canary Cry gear. I don't think that was explained. Yeah, th- they they didn't really. They kind of mentioned that she had to have hacked it or had someone else hack it to her own vocal frequencies rather than Laurel's. But it was really a, a failure of explanation and probably just they didn't think it was worth it or they didn't have time to go into finding who was involved in helping her to track her down or something like that. It was probably just a failure of of storytelling or or time really i'm I'm wondering if this is gonna be another storyline 
where there, there's going to be more and more checkup period, and they don't know where it's coming from. Right. Well, wasn't that a storyline in the comics where they were going up against someone who was creating even more advanced tech than they were? Yes, there's been several stories. Right. The calculator has actually been involved in one of those stories. So maybe he's pulling some strings from behind bars or something like that? Yeah, it could be. It could be him. It could be. I mean, there's a number of different people in the universe that could be doing it. The other thing I wanted to say is if Curtis has something to do with it. I don't think it's going to be Curtis, or I don't think he's going to be involved. Right. Well, maybe it could be a tech, maybe, uh, a technology villain for Curtis. Yes. Maybe that's what they're leading up to. Okay, that's going to be a storyline that brings him more into the fold and into the story. That would kind of be fun, I think. Well, I'm hoping that once they defeat Dark at the end of the season, Felicity steps away from the team full-time, and Curtis becomes the character right. that he was in that one episode. Kind of that way, she's not feeling the guilt of leaving the team, taking out the dry. She's doing what she wants, while knowing that Curtis is taking care of her. Yep. Now, the last question I think we addressed in our flash section was, Barry can run. So, when does this fit get to his continuity with the grave scene and everything like that? Yeah. And I think we said it's going to be addressed next week. Yeah, I think this Arrow episode was probably coincides with what was going on this week, and then that final scene is actually after next week's Flash episode. So that's why he's back. And that was why he could finally come and see Oliver and express his, his sorrow and his grief and his apologies for not being able to be at the actual funeral. But I think that essentially it was a jump forward in time for that funeral. And that's why ultimately Barry was late in getting there because it jumped beyond where this week's episode was. Yeah, it seemed like this episode kind of took place over a longer period of time. Yes. Like it was like they, they get started out in real time with them dealing with the aftermath of World Wide. Because then I think by the time they got to the funeral, because the arrangement it seemed like you know, a few weeks had passed. Right. So I think that clears it up. All right, so then we're going to move on to now a much better episode of Pledges of Tomorrow, in my opinion. I felt this was much more focused and straightforward, and the writers knew what they were doing compared to the all-over-the-place episode we got last week. So let's talk about the DC Pledges of Tomorrow episode, entitled Leviathan. <laughs> Rip takes the team to 2166 London three days before his family is killed. He believes this is their final opportunity to take out Savage, who is at the height of his power. They discover two key elements of defeating him, one of which is Savage's daughter. Yeah, did you feel this episode? Nico was much more focused, good straightforward compared to what we've gotten in the past couple weeks. Since all the characters were focused on one goal of this episode, which was stopping Savage, get protecting the refugee camp. Yeah, exactly, Dan. This was a much more concise and, and, as you said, focused episode. And a lot of that had to do with one goal one mission, different groups of the heroes working together, but all focused on one goal and not everyone having their own goal or everyone having their own mission. It was all about getting Savage and stopping him. And I think that worked in this episode. Yeah, I was thinking about the way that this episode felt better and more improved. And it made me compare the problems that this show's first seasons had with the problems that they had in Cages of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s first season. About the midpoint of that season, they seemed to have got it right, get figured it out, much like this episode of Legends of Tomorrow did, where they finally got past the situation of having a lot of good ideas, get a lot to play with from, you know, this big, expansive superhero universe, but they didn't know where to direct them. And I think what solved their problems, because what Nikki says over and over again, got our Marvelverse podcast, which is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., realizes that it's not a show designed to focus on romantic relationships. They take place on the show, but they don't become the focus. They follow up entire story arcs. So I'm hoping that this episode shying away from having a lot to do with 
Hedron Race Romance is going to essentially ending it because the writers realize that the old CW shipper model is not going to make the show a success. Chico, do you think the writers have finally wised up to that possibility? I don't think so, Dan. I think okay. I think they actually focused too much on the Ray, Carter, and Kendra triangle in this episode and really set it up at the crux of why she couldn't kill Vandal Savage at the end was because of Carter. And I think that's kind of a mistake because ultimately if they defeat Vandal Savage and then they could, you know, they could figure out a way to help Carter or something of that nature. I don't know. I, I think making it the, the crux of why they were unsuccessful in this episode and ultimately Vandal Savage remains a, a threat was, I don't know. I think that was a mistake. Maybe they'll do something really cool with it and I'll I'll be eating my words next week or in a couple weeks. Right. But at this point, keeping it and that Hawkman and Hawkgirl story as the, the old, I don't know. It, it, it's but, still not my favorite thing. Okay, that's their story problem. I mean, that is built into those that story of who those characters are. Right, and I'm, I'm glad it was, you know, the Kendra and, and Carter story more than right. Ray. You know, if it had been the same thing, like they had done something to Ray and she refused to kill Savage, then Ray, yeah. that would have been absolutely atrocious, but I guess this was better than that. Well, there wasn't like the happy, oh, Ray, I don't know if I could be with you. Yeah. This isn't right, and this, you know, what would be kind of thing that the actress does, which is so not hot girl, it's disgusting. But, you know, I think this it, it didn't annoy me as much in this episode. Maybe that's because everybody else is so good at the episode. Yeah, well, up until that moment when she didn't kill Vandal Savage, I was thinking you and I were going to have a discussion this week about how great it was finally to see a version or a, a glimpse of the Hawk Girl that we all love. Because while she was swinging that mace and fighting Savage, it really seemed like the angry and fierce Hawk Girl for yeah. a few moments. And then they, in my opinion, maybe that's why I'm having such a problem with this Carter yep. th- issue was it, it, it did seem like it was finally we got some hawk girl in this show and then they ruined it with with that moment where she couldn't kill him well, you know, in my opinion, I thought the scene between Hawkgirl and Heatwave did a brilliant job of setting up what you were saying. It was there. I mean, it was really the best scene that we had with the character that wasn't a fight scene. Yeah. Because he criticized her about everything we've been complaining about regarding the character. And I guess my question with that is, do you think that it's possible maybe more scenes with the rogues could improve the character by bringing her ferocity to the actress's performance through those scenes with them just constantly being them in conflict? When they're saying, you're too wimpy, why are we following you? You're going school as over. That kind of stuff. I mean, if you were the director of this episode, Nico, you know, if I was the director, I'd be saying this. Could you be telling her, give some more fire, greater to your performance? I would be, from now on, every time I would tell her, be more like you were in that scene when you were fighting Vandal Savage in 2166 because that was the closest you've come to being Hawkgirl. Be like that and maybe you'll actually be Hawkgirl. <laughs> like, there's about five or six episodes of Justice the Animated Series that I would sit her down and make her watch. Do you remember the... Did, did you watch Justice the Animated Series? Yeah. Do you remember the episode where Simon Grundy basically dies? Where he sacrifices himself? Yes. For the team to defeat the big Hawk monster and then Hawk Girl just went nuts. Yep. After that, that's the scene she needs to watch. That's the ferocity she needs to capture. I mean, we, we need her to do that yell that the, the voice actress that played Hawk Girl did so well because she went crazy with her bass. Yep. Like, that's the kind of stuff we need to say. Like, I would even have her read with the voice actors and say, what did you channel to give this toughness to Hawk Girl? 
Yeah, speaking of performances, did you think we got a really excellent Captain Cold story this week? With using the relationship with his own father to show Savage's daughter the error of her ways. Yeah, I liked that he was trying to connect with her, trying to use personal experience to empathize with her and, and get her to empathize with the people that her father was killing. I think ultimately, because his stories about his own father failed to really work on her, or it seemingly failed to work on her until he showed her exactly who her father really was was i think that was the build-up that it needed for that final evidence to really work for her and get her to believe what he was telling her and and believe that her father was not the man that she had thought and and she no longer believed the lies that he had told her her entire life you know what makes Gwenworth miller so awesome because his character because he even makes he's even badass during the heart-to-heart scenes yeah like he's like they're like we need to talk to her we need to interrogate her we need to figure out because he's like i got this and just how he walked in there this fish James can't be like bravado that he brings the character with everything. It's just gets gets so entertaining to watch. Cause I love it. And she's just like Savage's daughter's like, oh, so you're gonna torture me? He's like, no, I'm gonna do something else. Cause it keeps you in suspense, like, oh man, what's he gonna do with something crazy? And then it was just showing her the reality of the situation. But even then, he made that cool. So I just I love watching her with her because his character and she's like, yeah, exactly. And equally as good to the Captain Cold story. Yeah, we know Arthur Darvall is great. Cause well, I mean, we're we as Doctor Who fans go that brilliantly, but Rip Hunter's conflict with being able to overcome fate. That was just really well done. But Arthur gave a brilliant performance, dealing with that and the reality of that, and just dealing with the crux of time travel. Nico, did you find it interesting that Rip went back in time to save his family multiple times, because every attempt failed? Also, did you enjoy the part that Ray played in helping Grip deal with this conflict? I thought Ray working with Rip and talking to him for being a Royce reason was some of the best stuff we've gotten out of Brandon Ralph this season. That wasn't comical or fun. Yeah, I agree. I think this was some of the best stuff that we've, we've seen out of the Ray character, but I think the the knowledge and the r- revelation that Rip had attempted to go back and save his family over and over and over again, and, and every time, no matter what he did, seemed to fail in a different way, and it really drove home that idea that time wants to happen and it's going to be fighting against you. My family just recently watched a show it was 112263 and it was all about going back in time to stop the Kennedy assassination and they actually it's a Stephen King story and Stephen King made time as one of the villains of the story and in a sense it would fight back against you. Every time you were going to do something significant in the past to change the past it would change the circumstances or it would send people to to stop you from doing it or it would interfere with you somehow like you might get arrested or a character might come and try and hit you with their car or things like that that never happened in the past but the past wanted to happen so it would fight back and and that was really a cool idea that Stephen King came up with and I think they're incorporating a little bit of that into this storytelling in the sense that they want time to almost be like an additional villain that they have to slay they have to find a way to make time not fight against them and and I think to an extent that was part of what going to this time in in Vandal Savage's timeline was it was getting as close to when Rip went back to start fighting him so it would have the least amount of impact on going back in time and so time would not have as strong of a motive to to stay forward moving and it would be more flexible to move or to change and that was an idea at least I had in my mind as we were watching that and that's why as Rip went further back in time it, it, it was unsuccessful. You know the vibe I'm getting from this, you know, 
Devils reminds me of Rory. Darth Devils character he played on Doctor Who. Who is a beloved character. And the interesting thing, do you know the story with him being the, the Centurion? Right. That's Andy Guard for years. To me, this story, the way Arthur Devils played this, because almost like Rory standing guard for all those years, and then realizing it didn't ultimately save Amy Pond. Like, that's how I take it. That's the line. Yep. But again, I think it's because I love Rory so much as a character that it just did reflect in Grip Hunter. And I think that's why the showrunners hired him for this job as well, for the same reason. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this screamed Doctor Who to me. It really did. And just speaking of the wildness that Doctor Who sometimes provides us with, I thought Giant Ray fighting Savage's Giant Robot was one of those special effects moments called these superhero shows that said, I can't believe they're pulling this crap off on TV. And I'm glad they got it in before Captain America Civil War was released, because rumor has it Giant Man is going to be even more impressive than this. So, Nico, were you amazed with this sequence and how good it looked? Yeah, I thought it was very well done. I think the graphics department and the visual effects department needs to be mentioned is doing something absolutely top-notch in this episode. We know that that's always been a focus of this series more than the others. I mean, it's a focus on the others, but I think it's more technical on this series because they have so many more characters who have visually stunning effects on this one than, say, on Flash every week and on Arrow, for sure. But I, I do think that the VFX department on this show probably doesn't get praised enough by us. I think last week we talked about how cool that freeze-frame moment was and how awesome it was with all the heroes coming at the one villain in the center and how it was all freeze frame and and almost like matrix bullet time yeah including all these visual effects as well and i thought that was really good and then this week we got the adam to go large rather than going super small and that was kind of fun to see ray do it and and i thought it was great that Jax was the one that helped him fix his suit and and change his suit so that he could grow instead of just shrink and that was fun to see well this show started out with a lot of wild, wild moments you know those first couple of weeks we're just like wow i can't believe they did that to me wow this is big this is epic and they, they brought up the hawk monsters get some of that stuff and it kind of got slower there wasn't that sense of holy cow i can't believe they're doing that out to me yeah i'm glad they got back to it with this episode. And that almost makes me say maybe this show would have been better off with 13 episodes instead of 16. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. It was like a three-episode time frame where they kind of had to pull back. So that's why I'm saying maybe it would have been better for 13 just to keep the wow factor in there. Well, the two in the in the six, in the the 50s really probably could have been done without. Well, at least the first one was definitely my least favorite episode of the, the run. Yeah. So I definitely think that there were at least two episodes that probably could have been cut without any problem. I don't, I don't know. 13, 16, it's definitely better than trying to go 22 with this. Yeah, this show should not go 22. I think next season, it should be a shorter, you know, it should be half season as well. And if that ends up being 13, then I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I, I actually want more television shows to go to the 10 to 13 model. Uh, a lot of the best stuff that we watch is, is in that model. So I would be perfectly okay with this staying somewhere in the, the 10 to 13 range. I don't think you could do outside the superhero shows for more than 13 episodes in, in terms of live action yeah and i'm almost better off seeing having them shoot in the summer and fall like it was going to be a fall release but have the extra time to be a spring release so that they can do all the vfx work and make it look really really good you know good to find the story because it does need some work yeah exactly 
And I was excited to see a future good incarnation of Hawkman prepare this episode, speaking of fixing some things. Because it makes me very hopeful that one of my ideas to fix the Hawkgirl incarnation on this series is going to come to pass. Because they're having to trade a version of Carter who knows nothing about their past history or their destiny or anything like that. However, I wanted to ask, you know, do you think the Hawkgirl from the Justice League animated series, good comic books would have just bashed Savage's head in with a mace even if he could pull that stunt? I just think her warrior instinct could have kicked in and she would have just killed him. Also, do you think my theory about this future incarnation of Hawkman is going to happen, even though they didn't really explain what the team did with him at the end of the episode? Yeah, so I agree. I think the true version of Hawkgirl would have bashed in Savage's head and then thought about trying to help fix Carter or restore his memories or take away whatever mind control Savage had done on him. She would have been mission-oriented and would not have allowed these other distractions to really influence her. I, I, I mean, I'm not saying that she doesn't, that Hawk girl doesn't have a heart or wouldn't have been affected by it, but I think she was a warrior and she was mission-driven, so the mission she was to kill Savage. She would not allow her personal feelings or even her personal desires to get in the way of completing that ultimate mission. When it comes to saving the world, she would bash his head in. Yep. That, that she look at the bigger picture. That character would be all about the bigger picture. Because, you know, people may argue with me on this thing. Well, in the Justice League Starcrossed episode, you know, she sided back with the Justice League over the Hawk people because she was in love with Green Lantern. Okay, that was part of it. But the other thing was, it was to betray all her friends. That didn't sit well with her. Because the fact they were going to destroy an entire planet. She wanted to help her people, but she didn't want them to destroy a planet so they could help themselves. Well, she realized that the Hawk people had lost their mission and had gone... Yes, exactly. What they were doing was not true to their their way of life or their warrior uh, code. Code, exactly. So that's why she turned against her own people, or not even really turned against them, but fought against them to try and stop them, was because what they were doing and their willingness to sacrifice Earth to continue their overall fight with... I, I forget who their enemy was in that in that story, but I know that they, to, to defeat their enemy, they had to destroy and sacrifice Earth so that they could have a straight shot to the other home planet and, yeah. and continue their fight. I, I don't remember exactly what, what that involved, but I do know that it was uh, the Hawk people turned their back on their their own code and their own morals, and that's right. why Hawk Girl ultimately fought against them to save Earth. And then uh, Green Lantern, the way he convinced her was through him being a soldier, because mm-hmm. he was in the military as well. Right. And he was like, if my squad did this to me, I would do something about it. And that's where she came from. And yeah, the factor she, she loved Green Lantern had to do with it, because that's what got her to listen to him. But ultimately, the decision that she made fit her code was her warrior's code. Yep. And that hawk girl could have bashed Savage's head because Savage essentially was someone that was against her code like the hawk people became. Yeah. Now, I'm I'm hesitant to say that I think your idea about Carter is going to work because right now he's still being influenced by whatever mind control or whatever brainwashing Savage did. And so that will limit hawk girl's ability to help him remember. Once they've erased that and he's returned to his normal state, I think she'll be able to help him find his true self right. and, and, and dig into some of those past memories to find out who he is. And I think it'll be fun to see that role reversal. And that will definitely be what helps to grow and, and fix the Hawkgirl character. And I think it'll be interesting to watch. I think that actor is fabulous. Oh, me too. I that think he fun. was a great casting. I'm not so sure about Sierra as Hawkgirl. But I think he's fantastic. And I think whatever we get with him is going to be good. And I could tolerate Sierra's performances when he's around. Yes. I'm not saying they're great, but I could tolerate them. And I feel like if she's around and definitely great actors enough, it's going to 
come out. It's going to get better. Because we saw that with Anna Turing on Fridge. You know, she was around two great actors on that show. John Noble, you know, was fantastic. The supporting cast was fantastic. Joshua Jackson was great. You know, we had, like, tape of other stuff. And they eventually got a great performance out of her. And I hope the same thing can happen here. Right. And I think that's asking for lightning to strike twice. But, you know, that, that's my hope. So with that hope in mind, we're going to make you hopeful for another great episode of the DC Nation podcast next week, because Nico shared with us what's going to be happening on our next episode. Yeah, next week, DC Nation returns with the next episode of Gotham, Flash, Arrow, and DC Legends of Tomorrow, so make sure to rejoin us next week for Gotham, Flash, Arrow, and DC Legends, but for now, we're going to roll our pre-recorded closing. Get at our Across the Airways podcast network website, acrosstheairways.com. Again, that's acrosstheairways.com. You can check out all of our podcast shows, available as their own individual programs, get the iTunes store, Google Play Store. Guys, for the podcast shows, Color Network, we have the DC Nation podcast located at dcnation.acrosstheairwaves.com. Okay, that's dcnation.acrosstheairwaves.com, which reviews popular DC Comics related TV shows and movies. There's also the Marvelverse podcast located at marvelversepodcast.acrosstheairwaves.com. Okay, that's marvelversepodcast.acrosstheairwaves.com, which reviews Marvel Comics related TV shows and movies. Okay, we also have Throats Cast, our podcast dedicated to reviewing episodes of HBO's Game of Thrones, which is available at the website thronescast.acrosstheairwaves.com. Again, that's thronescast.acrosstheairwaves.com. In addition to these programs, you can listen to the original Across the Airwaves podcast, which is accessible at acrosstheairwaves.com, which reviews TV shows not related to superheroes, core Game of Thrones, like The Walking Dead, Doctor Who, Star Wars Rebels, Supernatural, and more, including sitcoms such as The Big Bang Theory and The Muppets. Also, you can listen to Across the Airwaves, the DC Nation podcast, Thronescast, the Game of Thrones podcast, and the Marvelverse podcast, got the mixed radio station, code by Jack Stifle, Stitcher Radio, or if you use Apple devices, download the Podcast Box app. Got if you're on a Windows or Android device, you can download our apps from the Amazon Marketplace. Got the Windows Marketplace, got a regular Windows or Windows Phone app. Got for how you can contact us to give your own listener feedback, got the TV shows we review, provide suggestions on how we can improve your podcast listening experience, or just want to say, do you like what we're doing? Email us at across the airways, got gmail. Again, that's across the airwaves at gmail.com. Comment on our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter at across the airwaves. There's no thought in there. It's just across the airwaves. Join our circle at Google Plus. Or leave us a voicemail by calling 773-809-3363. Again, that's 773-809-3363. Also, when sending us an email, please mention which podcast show you're directing the message to. Give the subject line. If you are sending us listener feedback you want us to read on the air. I would also recommend that you check out our YouTube page, which features trailers for upcoming movies, get television events. Along with this content, the ATA YouTube channel is a great source for panels from past Comic-Con, and it will be a great resource to find videos related to the Comic-Con taking place in San Diego this summer to go along with our Comic-Con special. Alright, first off, I'd like to thank Mark Schreiner for his help with questions and credit on our discussion this week. We're kind of swamped here around get ATA with some other projects, so I want to thank Mark Schreiner and Joshua Mercury, who's a part of our team, for helping us get that stuff done. So once again, for our other ATA podcast hosts, Nikki Amy, Ru Kim, Joshua Mercury, Steve Nostro, good Michael J. Patty, God Dan Schmitz, and I'm Nico Reistek. Good until our next episode. We will catch you on the airwaves. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you later. Morning, sleeping for so that every mouth can be fed.
Now return to our regularly scheduled program.